Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Well, thank you to worship team. Great job today. Leading us in worship. Great in the room. Love those songs. And hey, thank you for being here and watching online at Rossville. Acts chapter 8, if you have your Bible. A couple weeks ago, I started a sermon series called Scattered, Being the Church Without the Church. I, I didn't really want what happened to the church to happen without us addressing it. Is it okay that it happened that way? We found out in the Bible, it's not the first time the church had been scattered. Acts chapter 8, verse 1, on that day, severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. All except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. So basically, the entire church, except the staff, wound up scattered. And so they functioned and operated, uh, really, and set an example for us for this time, and we, we really wouldn't have known it. We wouldn't have predicted what happened to us. And so there, there is a model for us to do. There's some things we could do in a scattered situation that help us uh, during this time. So today I want to preach on this subject, waiting on your witness. Washington Post ran a story just a few years ago, and they, they said, if all the world's people stood really, really close, what size of footprint would it need to get all the world's 7.3 billion people in this footprint. Well, Tim Urban, who writes a weekly blog called Wait But Why, decided he would take it on. And so his basic premise is that 10 people can fit in a 10, uh, in a one meter square. 10 humans can fit in a one meter square, which is really possible considering the fact that about 25 plus percent of the world's population is 15 or under. So 10 humans in a one meter square, square meter. So if that being the case, then uh, obviously a 1,000 people could fit in a 10 by 10 meter square, or to put it in something we'll understand, an American football field would hold, standing up, about 54,000 people. About 54,000 people. In a square mile, the entire country of Scandinavia could fit in a square mile, which is about 26 million people. So Tim Irvin said, how can I make this relatable so that people understand it? Because here, here's what he discovered, that Central Park in New York City, which is about 3.4 square kilometers, could hold the population of either Australia or Saudi Arabia, and 320 million Americans could huddle together in about three and a half square miles. So here's what he found out. He found a piece of dirt that would hold all of the world's population. It happened to be New York City. So when you look at it, all the entirety of Europe could fit in the Bronx. On Manhattan, North America and Central America, we could all fit. All of North and Central America could fit in Manhattan. Um, China, Japan, and India could all fit in Queens. In Brooklyn, Africa and South America and Oceania could all fit in Brooklyn. And on Staten Island, everything that's in Asia that's not China, India, or Japan could fit on Staten Island. So when he did the math, 7.3 billion people 
could all stand shoulder to shoulder, the entire planet, in New York City. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? If you've ever been to New York, it sounds like New York on a Monday to me. I, I don't know the difference, but no, that's not fun. No. It's interesting. It's just not fun. Why in the world would you want to get 7.3 billion people together in one place? And I, I, one reason. Let me, be, let me make it spiritual. One reason. The gospel of Jesus. See, if, if I could cram every single person in that small of a space, here's what I know, that in just a moment we could explain to everyone the gospel story, tell them about Jesus, and the millions and millions of people who have never heard about Jesus could all hear about Jesus at the same time, and millions and millions of people would in all probability come to faith in Christ. But you get them all stand in one city and pop a whole city with the gospel. Here's what we know, that's never going to happen. So what's plan B? Well, plan B is plan A. And plan A was always this, that the world is waiting on you and me to share Christ with them and tell them about Jesus. And whether, we, whether we're able to meet here together, where we're watching online, whether we're here, whether we're scattered, the plan's always been the same. And there are people who are waiting on our witness in order to be saved. Hey, so grab your Bibles, look in Acts chapter 8, look at verse 26, and it'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. Uh, look at verse 26, and you'll know this story. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's a desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He'd come to worship in Jerusalem, was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. And the Spirit told Philip, go and join the chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shearers, so he, do, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, Justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Then the eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotos, and as he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let me tell you, in this story, there are really... Uh, two main characters. Let me set it up. The church has been exploding. Thousands have been joining the church. Thousands have been getting saved. And there was persecution. And all of a sudden they were scattered. And one, one particular member was scattered in particular. His name was Philip. Now, we only know really about four small passages about Philip. Here's what we know about Philip. We know that he was one of the first seven deacons. In Acts chapter 6, he was uh, ordained as one of the deacons to help the apostles take care of the widows. We know he's the first missionary. He's presented as the first missionary here in Acts chapter 8. We know that right before this, he left the church in Jerusalem. He went to the church in Samaria. And as interesting as Samaria, the Jews would have no dealings with the Samaritans at all. But when they were scattered... 
Philip went to Samaria, and there began preaching. There planted a church. There probably thousands were saved. People were being healed. Miracles were being done. We know after this story that he preaches up and down the coast and finally settles in one of those towns. And get this, 20 years later, 20 years later, the, the, the man who had persecuted Philip, Saul, now has become a Christian. His name is the Apostle Paul. And as Paul is going through Philip's town, the Bible says that Philip put Paul up for a little while. Philip and his four daughters, who the Bible says were prophetesses in the day. So Philip started well, he ended well, and he worked well. And then there's the Ethiopian eunuch. He was in the court of Candace the Queen now of Ethiopia. Now, Candace was a title given to all the queens of Ethiopia at the time. And, and don't think modern-day Ethiopia, but it's close. If you look at modern-day Ethiopia, the Ethiopian then was a much larger king, and it would have included all of the Sudan. It would have included parts of Egypt e even. And so she had an enormous kingdom. And he was a treasurer in her kingdom. And that meant two things. It meant importance and wealth. Importance and wealth. So he's an incredibly wealthy man who's incredibly important. And apparently he has taken a sabbatical and he's gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now, there were a lot of people in that day who were fed up with the polygamy of God's uh, polytheistic religions that they had and the immorals of those, the religions, those religions carried uh, immorality with them. And so they were attracted to Judaism in its monotheistic ways and its morality and if you became a follower of Jehovah and tried to keep the Ten Commandments and were circumcised, but you were not Jewish, you would be called a proselyte. If you were a follower of Jehovah, but you, you were not circumcised, you would be called a God-fearer. And either way, you had to stay in the outer courts, though you could worship God. And so this treasurer had come to Jerusalem to worship in, in the outer courts. Now, here's, those are the two characters, Philip and the eunuch. But here's what I want you to notice. God had orchestrated divinely a scattered saint to meet a searching sinner. Divinely orchestrated a scattered saint to intercept a searching sinner for one reason. So he could hear the gospel, believe it, and share it with others. It may have been God orchestrated the scattering just for that reason. Now, I want to tell you that it is the same thing we're to do when we're not scattered, but it's the same thing we're to do when we are scattered. Whether you're in the building today, whether you are at home watching Russell, wherever it may be, we are still a scattered church, and our job has not changed. Our job is still to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out, and here's what you need to hear today. Even when we're scattered, and we don't like what's going on, and everything's messed up, and we don't like it this way, listen, none of that matters. What matters is there are people still waiting on your witness. Let me show you four things we learn. Number one, we learn this, that you have to go out there in order to get them in here. The Bible says the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's a desert road. So he got up and went. Now, Philip was having a great time in the church. Like, there was no need. I told you that last week. No need for them to leave the church. He was a deacon. He was a preacher. Miracles. People getting saved. Church was fun. And then he goes to Samaria. 
And the same thing has happened in Samaria. As a matter of fact, church was probably so good that they were having a hard time getting them beyond their own walls. There were plenty of people coming to the church who were getting saved. Plenty of people who were coming to the church for miracles. Plenty of people joining the church. So why would they leave? But it had gotten so large that they had, we saw it in Acts chapter 6, they kind of started turning inward. And God sent the persecution so they would reach out to people who were not yet within their walls. They were people who needed to be reached who were never going to come to church until they had had a divine encounter themselves. What do you mean by divine encounter? That doesn't mean necessarily they got saved. It means that they had had what we would call today the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God needed to come upon their heart. They need to be convicted of the gospel. And that doesn't always happen in here. It most often starts out there. So God has sent Philip out there so the Ethiopian unit could eventually get in here. And can I tell you it's true for you sometimes? Sometimes it's easy to love what's going on in here, and we do. I love it. I love it. I'm so glad there's some people back and we can do this together. But sometimes we forget that there are people out there who are not in here and not watching online and they're not anywhere else. And they're still waiting on our witness. And we're not going to reach everyone we need to reach by sitting or watching and enjoying church. We have to go out there in order to get them in here. Jeff Bezos is the wealthiest man in the world. I don't know if you ever read those lists. He's the perennially now the wealthiest man in the world. He's he, worth over $100 billion. And he's... Uh, uh, he, he's worth over $100 billion. He's still the wealthiest man in the world after he got divorced and gave his wife 25% of his wealth. He's, he gave away 25% and he's still the wealthiest man in the world. He's the guy that owns Amazon. Probably everybody in the room and online is what, has used Amazon. Let me tell you just a little bit about the size of Amazon. Every month, over 206 million people that visit Amazon from around the world, that's more than twice the population of Germany. That's big. In 2018, Amazon made $232 billion in revenue. A country's gross domestic product is effectively its revenue. If Amazon was a country, it would be the world's 51st richest nation. Amazon. Find per, per, Peru, New Zealand, Greece, and some others. According to Amazon's report to shareholders, they have almost 650,000 employees worldwide and get this. Amazon generates over $410 billion a day in revenue. That's $283,000 a minute and $4,722 a second. A second. How in the world did Amazon get so big? Let me tell you how they got so big. They adopted the model of the church. Their commitment was not making people come to a retail store, but taking the retail store to the people. It's easy for me to say. The exact model the church was given by Jesus that we're not to just get people to hope they show up we're to go out and take the church to them here's what that means it's great when people come here it's great when people just see our building pull in drive by come in and get saved that's generally not the way it works the way it works is somebody's waiting on your witness and you have to go out there in order to get them into here you've got to invite them to church you've got to tell them about Jesus you've got to share the gospel we've got to give our testimony why we'll have to take it to them because even in a scattered church, we have to go out there in order to get them in here. Second thing we learn is this. 
that God is working before you arrive. I love this verse. He'd come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. That's the eunuch. Now, God sent Philip to this man, but it wasn't a cold call. God already warmed up the man's heart. Two, two very important things that already happened in this treasurer's life. Number one, he had taken a sabbatical and he had left Ethiopia to come to uh, uh, Jerusalem to worship. So he already had God on his mind. And while he was there, he bought a scroll. I, I, I would call it a Bible, but it wouldn't be a Bible. It would be a scroll. And he was in the chariot reading the scroll out loud. And the scroll he had purchased was Isaiah and he's reading Isaiah 53 out loud. Isaiah 53 out loud. If you don't know about Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 is a prophecy of Jesus to come. So this, this guy's been to church, and he's been gone for months probably. He's now reading Isaiah 53 about Jesus aloud, and Philip, the Holy Spirit just happens to drop Philip right beside him. Big coincidence. It wasn't a coincidence. Here's what happened. God had orchestrated all those things to happen. And before you arrive to somebody you need to witness to, God is already working. Let me tell you this statement. Some of you here this morning, God has placed somebody on your heart to witness to. Can I tell you this? If God has placed them on your heart, he's already placed himself on their heart. If God has placed them on your heart, He's already placed himself on their hearts. And God is already doing the work. Because I know what happens. Sometimes you think about somebody who needs to be in church. You think about somebody who needs to be saved. And you, you, man, you start thinking, man, that guy's not receptive to Jesus. That guy's not receptive to church. Can I tell you this? Sometimes the hardest shells externally have the weakest hearts internally. Because God has already been working before you arrive. Really nothing good has come out of coronavirus. Can I get an amen right there? Do you agree? Let Lord get it over with. Let's get this thing done. But one, one good thing has come out of it. And that's restaurants had figured out how to do to-go orders, right? Like now all of a sudden they're really good at it. Have you noticed? They're really good at it. Now, now you take your phone, you order it on the app or online, and you type it in exactly what you want, extra butter, extra whatever, you know, put it on there. And when you show up at the restaurant, and you park outside in that little spot. They bring the food to you. How can they do that? Because before you got there, they were already working to get it ready. Imagine what God is doing with people's souls. And God says, hey, hey, Joel, I, I'm going to pit. I'm going to put this guy on your heart. But did you know before I can get to him to tell me about Jesus, God is already working on his heart before I got there? If a fast food joint can do it, trust me, God can do it as well. So go be a witness in confidence, knowing that God's already working behind the scenes and that victory is not in a person getting saved. Victory is in you being obedient and sharing a witness. See, here's what you don't know. You may be the first person to share that starts the domino effect. Somebody else may be the last person to share where they actually come to church and get saved. But listen, it doesn't matter. Your obedience is the victory. Knowing God's already working. Show the third thing we know. That whatever the question, Jesus is the answer. 
eunuch said to Philip, ask you who is this prophet saying this about himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus beginning with that scripture. Now, I love it that this man was far from God, didn't really know even how to ask the question. The question didn't come out really, really well. And I love that about people who are far from God. I love non-church language. I have people tell me sometimes who've not been in church, maybe in you before, you've t- they'll tell me this, uh, Preacher, I really love your talk on Sundays. Well, it's called a sermon, but I love it that you call it my talk, though. I love it. I love it. I do. I love that. Because people don't know the... They don't know our language. They don't even know how to ask the questions. And here's what Philip did. Philip took whatever question the man was asking and just made the answer be Jesus. Now get this. I know sometimes when you want to witness to somebody, when you want to invite them to church, you immediately get kind of all messed up internally. It's the enemy. And the enemy says, "Ah, I'd be careful about that if I were you because you don't, they're liable to ask you some kind of theological question. Are you kidding me? They don't know any theology to ask you. Well, they might ask you, you know, about all the mistakes in the Bible. Can I give you a secret? There are no mistakes in the Bible. So if they say, what about all the mistakes in the Bible? All you have to do is take your Bible and say, man, I don't even know about any. Can you show them to me? Because they don't know about any. You say, what if they ask me something? Listen, the answer to whatever question they ask is always Jesus. You've heard that story about little Johnny was in Sunday school, been there for about three weeks, and teacher always liked to have a little period where she asked him questions, and the answer was always Jesus. And it was about the fourth Sunday, and this new teacher, man, answers always Jesus, and it already, already asked a couple. And so she looked at Johnny, and she said, Johnny, what's black and white and says moo? Johnny got quiet for a minute, and he says, it sounds an awfully lot like a cow, but I'm going to go with Jesus. Because the answer is always Jesus. Can I tell you this? When you meet somebody having marriage problems, you know what the answer is? Jesus. When you meet somebody having financial problems, you know what the answer is? Jesus. When you meet somebody having emotional problems and are gripped with fear, Jesus. When you meet somebody with health problems, the answer is Jesus. You say, well, how can that be? Because if you don't survive, Jesus is the only way out of this world alive. The answer is is always Jesus. When you go out and tell somebody and invite them to church and share the gospel, can I tell you a trick? Whatever the question, Jesus is the answer. Number four, I'm finished. We learn from Philip that when one is done, there's more to come. Here's what happened. They came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the unit did not see me longer, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotos, and passing through, he was evangelizing all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Here's what happened. God orchestrated Philip's life for him to share the gospel with one man. One vacationer, by the way. If you're watching on vacation, one vacationer. Tradition tells us, history tells us, that this unit, Ethiopian treasure, took the gospel back to his nation But get this, carried it, was responsible for the gospel going to the continent of Africa. So so Philip witnesses to one guy obediently, and because of that, the gospel goes to a continent. Now, there's only a few of those continents, right? How many are there? Seven, is that right? Seven? Somebody tell me. Six? Okay, y'all know smarter than I am, are you? Like, some, text in online if you can Google it real quick. I think there's seven, like this guy, Philip, 
Like, you'd think Philip would be done for a lifetime. Like, Jesus <laughs> did my job. I got the gospel to a whole continent. Give me a crown, I'm done. But the Bible says God came away to another location. You know what he kept doing? He kept evangelizing all the towns. He continued to be a witness. Philip didn't know where he was going next, but he knew someone somewhere was waiting on a witness. I know there's some of you here today, and, and, and you're watching online, and you're thinking, um, I got this one person on my heart, but nobody else. Can I tell you this? It's, it's always better to have more than one person on your heart. You know why? Because that one person may really not be coming to Christ anytime soon. But there'll be others. And when one is done, there, there's still more that need Jesus. We're not finished. Someone is always waiting on your witness to invite them to church, tell them about Jesus. And when we're scattered, we can still do it. Close your Bibles, I'm going to tell you a story and I'm done. Long distance online dating can be hard, but a guy named Alexander Cirk took it to a new level. He lives in Holland. He'd been dating a Chinese girl. When I say dating, it'd been online dating. And uh, for quite a while, and he kind of got fed up with the long distance relationship. And so he got a uh, visa Bought, bought a plane ticket, flew 5,000 miles from Holland to China. He had taken a screenshot of his itinerary and sent it to her and said, meet me at the airport on this day. I'm coming to see you. He arrived at the airport and she wasn't there. And he waited for her 10 days. 10 days. Days later, a frail-looking, weak Alexander was taken to the hospital by the airport officials. This is actually a picture of him with an IV and his girlfriend, girlfriend on his phone. Ten days. Chinese TV team heard about the story and went and interviewed him and found out the girl's name and actually found the girl. They found the girl. And she basically said, he did what? I thought it was a joke. And she said, I, I was having plastic surgery. Literally, her excuse, I was having plastic surgery during that time and couldn't have made it anyway. And ended the story with, but I hope to maintain a long-distance relationship. You know you got a winner there when she wants you 5,000 miles away. Ten days. Ten days. He waited. I read the story this week that just recently happened. I read the story this week and I, I thought, how many people are out waiting in the world on us? They're waiting on us to invite them to church, to send them a link, to invite them here, to tell them about Jesus, to tell them the gospel story. Even though we're scattered, people are still waiting on your witness. The need is great and the hour is urgent and eternity and heaven and hell hang in the balance. Eternity, heaven, and hell. 
you may be here today, you may be watching online, and someone's invited you today to watch. And maybe today's your day to trust Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. If you're in the room, I want to ask you to stand with me across the room, but whether you're online or in the room, if you're here today and do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, I want to tell you it's as simple as ABC. It's what we all did. If All of us who are Christians did this. We came to the place where we had to admit that we couldn't save ourselves, that we were sinners. We'd strayed from God. I couldn't be good enough to earn my salvation or do anything, give. I had to admit, hey, I'm a sinner and I'm hopeless. B, I had to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin and rose again on the third day. We call it the gospel. And C, confess him as Lord and Savior of my life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I'm going to ask you wherever you are to bow your heads and close your eyes with me, even if you're online. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, but you'd like to today and know that Christ is in your life, your sins are forgiven, and heaven is your home, Heads are bowed. You can pray with me. Now, some of you may need know, know how to pray. Don't even need my help. Some of you may need my help praying. It's not the words you say. It's the intent of your heart is to trust Jesus. You can pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. I know that Christ died on the cross for my sin and rose again on the third day. And just now I invite Christ into my life to forgive me of my sins, to save me, and to give me a home in heaven. I trust Jesus and Jesus alone. Hey, look this way. If you just prayed that prayer with me, you are what we call, it's in the Bible, John 3, born again, a Christian. I want you to pull out your phone sometime today and text, I did, to the number 97,000. If you're at home, just take a screenshot of that or a picture of that real quick. I did to 97,000, and that'll start a conversation, and we're going to send you some material that tell you the next steps to take in the Christian life. Now, for those of you who are Christians, listen to me just for a moment and we're done. Scattered or not, someone is waiting on your witness. Family member, friend, co-worker. Hey, it could be a vacationer. You pass in Florida. Who's waiting on you to send them a text? To give them a call? To take them to lunch? To tell them about Jesus? God may have scattered us just so during this period we could reach people who need to be reached with the gospel. So once again, would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes and I'm done. Would you get that picture in your mind right now of that person that you know needs to come to church, needs to be saved, and would you pray with me and ask God to use you? If you don't have someone in your heart and mind right now, would you ask God to burden you for someone and to bring someone across your path that's waiting on a witness? Father, may it be so, we, we want to reach, feel called by God to reach 1% of Peavine City with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, that's not going to happen until we go out there. We've got to go out there. Well, there'll be people we'll meet in the day-to-day of life, people at work, family members, people we'll just run into we've never met may never meet again who desperately need a witness. Lord, we have more tools than we've ever had. Right now, we invite them to watch an online service. We can shoot them a text. People are waiting on our witness. May we get busy. May we get busy inviting people to church. May we get busy telling them about Jesus. And Lord, even though we're scattered, 
May we have a bigger and better impact than we ever possibly could have not scattered. Use this messed up situation for your good and your glory. It's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.